pleasant good morning to each one of you. Thank you for coming and assembling with us here as we have been attempting to worship our good and great God and in the process of glorifying and honoring Him to encourage and to edify, to build up one another in our faith and our walk with Him. I hope, like everything, that I don't catch what uh, Stephen had when he was up here. Uh, as you know, my family was has been sick uh, somewhat over the last few weeks, and I think I have gotten over that. But then, at the end of February of all months, the trees start blooming, and my allergies go crazy. And so I'm still dealing with some of that, but uh, hopefully we can can make it through our uh, time of study together this morning. It's so good to see all of you here uh, on this beautiful Lord's Day. And I trust that uh, whatever you have been doing this past week or thinking about whatever difficulties that you have been dealing with in your life and things that you have been struggling with, with, that today you can put all those things aside at least for a little while and focus upon the glory and grandeur of our great God. And just how wonderful and amazing His love is, as our brothers have brought to our attention once again this morning. And to think about how wonderful and amazing our relationship and fellowship in the body of Christ is, all because of what God has made possible for us through His Son, Jesus the Christ. I don't say this as often as I should. Uh, Brother uh, Joe Burley was asking me this morning how long we had been here And I said, we just finished two years at the end of last year. That's hard to believe, at least from my standpoint, that uh, time has gone by so quickly. Uh, But I need to say more often than I do, thank you uh, to all of you uh, for being the the church of our Lord Jesus Christ that you are here at Fairview. Uh, Thank you for uh, your encouragement. Uh, So many of you uh, send texts and uh, emails and cards and things like that to me and my family, not only when we're sick, but just to let us know that you're thinking about us and appreciate uh, the work that that we are trying to do here. And for your financial support, of course, and allowing us to, uh, allowing us, at least myself, uh, not to have to uh, work an an outside job, but to devote my time and attention to the work that is going on here. Uh, Our family is very well taken care of from that regard. Uh, But uh, we feel like this is home now, and we love and appreciate each one of you, and I hope that our relationship continues to grow stronger and deeper as time goes on. Uh, Brother Gavin and Sister Elaine are away in in Alabama. I think they're actually in Tennessee at his parents today, but they will be coming back later this evening. They went to a a wedding there yesterday, and so uh, y'all are having to put up with me both times today, and if you're in the back class, you had to listen to me three times. Uh, so hopefully my voice holds out. Hopefully you can, uh, can make it through that. Um, and uh, we, we will learn something that will be beneficial to each one of us. We began this morning in the 9 o'clock lesson thinking about some things that are detestable to God, some things that God hates from the book of Proverbs chapter 6. And the list that the Proverbs writer gives us there of things that God not only hates, but things that are abominations to Him. Uh, As I said to you at the end of that session, the 9 o'clock session, these are not pleasant lessons for me to preach, uh, but they are lessons, I think. Obviously, anything from God's Word is worth our time and attention. Anything from God's Word can be profitable and beneficial to us. 
they are some things that maybe we don't often consider. These list of seven things here, seven sins, may not necessarily be problems or issues or things that we struggle with in our life, but Satan is always working in our world, and Satan is always working among God's people, and so they are timeless, I believe, in their, their nature uh, because we still live in the same world that the, the wise man lived in during his time. We're thinking about these seven abominations to God. We spoke about this morning in the nine o'clock hour, the first of these three in verse 17 of Proverbs 6, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And so we want to pick up and think about the last four from verses 18 and 19 of Proverbs chapter 6 this morning. The wise man goes on to tell us that God hates and it is an abomination and it makes God sick. For people to have a heart that devise wicked plans. As we have spoken of already in the earlier session about our eyes and about our tongue and, and about uh, our mouths and about our, our lives uh, and our hands, and now the writer does specifically state here our heart, a heart that devises wicked plans. The wisdom writer is really getting to the heart of all of this list, not of just these seven sins, but of any sin that we might fall prey to, any temptation that we might struggle with. It all first begins in our heart, doesn't it? These, this is where the writer says to us, evil plans begin. Back to the passage that we referenced a couple of times already today from Matthew chapter 15 and verse 19, as Jesus is having that discussion with the religious leaders about his own disciples eating with unwashed hands and their traditions. And Jesus says, that's really not what you need to be concerned about. All of us need to be concerned about what comes out of us and not so much the things, the physical food that we put into our body, but the ideas, the concepts, the thinking, the things that we allow our eyes to look at, the things that we uh, allow to come into our minds, those things eventually come out of us. And so Jesus reminds us there at Matthew 15 and verse 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts. Here is in this description at verse 17 of our text this morning. Here the wise man, I believe, is describing a person who is mulling over, a person who is planning wicked deeds. It's not someone who is just caught up in the moment, someone who has not thought about this. It is not talking about, obviously, someone who is preparing their heart day by day and renewing their mind day by day with the Word of God. He is thinking about someone who is very deliberate in their action, someone who is very deliberate in their thinking. They have chosen for a certain amount of time to think on evil things. Their intent is to do someone harm. As we've already spoken of this morning in the previous three sins that are listed here in this text, certainly we see this going on in our culture and our society today. There, just to give a few examples, premeditated murder of someone else. It may be premeditated murder of a spouse, maybe because there are some other issues involved in that. And sort of like King David, we'll we just uh, get rid of the evidence, as it were, and those who might speak against us. Sadly to say that we still live in a culture, in a society where there are mass shootings, in our schools and in the workplace and at shopping centers and grocery stores and ballparks and just about everywhere that you can go today, we, we are not immune. We are not safe from violence. There has been in our world, in our country, of course, in 
times past and many of our lifetimes, we can think of instances of terrorism. They're just people who are sitting around, I think, it is kind of their ambition in life that they're just sitting around thinking up wicked plans, devising evil things that they plan to do. And while we may not ever commit those sins that I just mentioned, we can still have a heart that is making wicked plans. We can say, well, I'm not ever going to murder my spouse, but I'll not be sexually faithful to my spouse. I'll cheat on them. Or those that are in school that are present this morning, well, I'll just cheat a little bit on this exam that's very tough that's coming up. Or I hate to tell you what next month is, (laughs) April 15th. Probably the most dreaded day in in all of our American calendar that we have to pay our taxes to our government. And we think, well, nobody will really notice. You know, the tax code is so complicated. I tell you that it is. But I just cheat a little bit on my taxes. Nobody will ever notice anything about that. Or I'll be a little bit dishonest at work. Or I, I will just ruin someone's reputation or their good name. We we are just we can become and have hearts that are devoted to wicked plans. I want you to think about something that the Proverbs writer wrote earlier in this book about how important our heart is. In Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 20, the wise writer says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Some of the older translations said, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the issues of life. The wise man is really saying, I think what Jesus was saying in Matthew 15 and Mark chapter 7, that from the heart all of these evil things come. Certainly good things come from our hearts as well. But as we're thinking about these seven things that make God sick, that He just absolutely abhors evil plans, evil thoughts, doing someone harm, it starts in our hearts. In fact, as we just read there at verse 23, this is why we need to keep on guard. This is why we always need to be vigilant and diligent to watch over our own heart. He says, for from it, from our heart, flow the springs of life. Everything else that we have to deal with in our life. All of the issues, all of the circumstances, all of the challenges of life, that they all start in our heart. And so we need to be people who are ever diligent to guard our hearts to the best of our ability with God working with us, of course, to keep our hearts pure, to keep our hearts pliable, to keep our hearts soft when it comes to the wisdom that is found in the Word of God. And we need to be serious about that because, as the writer says to us here, your heart that devises wicked plans is an abomination to God. I, I cannot read anybody else's heart. Uh, I, of all the people in the assembly this morning, I know my wife the best, but I can't read her heart. I, I may sometimes be able to finish some of her sentences, and she can finish some of mine, but she can't read my heart, and I can't read hers. But God can. And when we come to the Word of God, it reveals what's really in our heart. And so we need to be people who are not having hearts that devise wicked plans. We're people, if we're children of God, who have hearts who are devising good plans. 
Number five this morning from our text again in Proverbs chapter six, he says that feet that run rapidly to evil are an abomination to God. Again, as I pointed out to you in this earlier lesson this morning, think about all the members, the physical members of our physical bodies that the the wise man is using here. And, And that is exactly the case as you read even into the New Testament in places like the book of Romans talks about the members of our body, that, that we use the members of this physical body that God has created to either do good or to do evil. But there are feet, he says, that run e- rapidly to evil. There are some people that run just as fast as they can to evil. It's just like running to a fight. <laughs> Maybe for those of us who are, are a little bit older, we can, if we can remember our school days, Maybe it was true of us, especially those of us who were guys, that, you know, if there was a school fight, I mean, we were just, we wanted to get in on the action. We wanted to at least see what was going on there. And and that is the picture that I get in my mind of someone who has feet that are running rapidly to evil. But instead of being people who are running to evil, we need to be people who are running away from evil. And the wise man says something about that as well. We looked at this at least uh, uh, this text in greater detail in the earlier session. But notice just these two verses from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. As the wise man is giving some, some wisdom, some instruction to his son about not running around with a crowd that is devoted to violence and to shedding blood. He says in verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. So notice the language here, walk. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood. He's saying, especially to the younger crowd here this morning, but to all of us, watch who you associate with. Watch who you are running around with. Watch who your friends are, to put it in very plain terms. So Solomon here, the wise man, is instructing his son to stay away from those who are running to evil. Instead of you being like the crowd and saying, everybody else is running this way, you run the opposite way. And they're running to evil, and you run from evil. I think about something that the Apostle Paul wrote to the young preacher along these lines in 2 Timothy chapter 2, as he is giving him some personal instructions here, Paul to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 22. He uses this kind of language of running. He says, Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Uh, using that language of fleeing and pursuing. Uh, If Jacob Hudgens were up here this morning, he could speak to this much in more detail than I can because he's a runner. And maybe some of you are runners. Uh, I'm not a runner in the classic sense. I can uh, run here and there. But he's using that kind of language. He's trying to put those pictures in our mind. To this young man, this young preacher, Timothy, you flee. You you run as fast as you can, as hard as you can, away from evil, from things that are wrong. And you run, you pursue just as hard with as much energy and vigor and vitality. You pursue the things that are right. You pursue God. You pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. The admonition, the warning here is to flee worldly lust. As he's talking to this young man, especially in this context, things, lust or desires that are common to youth. But that's true for all of us, whatever stage of life we're in. And he says again, you pursue, you run after spiritual desires and spiritual qualities. 
I don't know if you remember the, as we're going through all these parts of the body, the, the song sometimes that we teach to our, or at least I, I learned as a young kid uh, in Bible class or VBS or places like that. But you know, oh, be careful, <laughs> little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. I, we may think, well, that's just a little kid's song. There's a lot of truth in that for those of us who are adults. And the wise man is calling our attention to that. We need to be people who are watching where our feet are leading us because feet that run rapidly to evil are an abomination to God. We may not be people, hopefully we are not. To my knowledge, nobody in here fits this criteria, but we're not people who are running rapidly to murder someone. But as we talked about in the back class this morning, thinking about addictions and specifically pornography, we can be people whose feet are, are quickly running toward that evil or running toward a lot of other kinds of evil. Let's take the warning to heart that that is sickening to God. Number six, he says, a false witness who utters lies is an abomination to God. The ESV says, a false witness who breathes out lies. The New King James says a false witness who speaks lies. Very similar to what we talked about in the second point in this list at the 9 o'clock session. What he says here about a lying tongue is an abomination to God. The difference I can tell in these two descriptions may be this, that perhaps this person is telling lies for the intent, the sole purpose of bringing someone else down, whereas someone with a lying tongue may just be telling lies to make themselves look good. Maybe there really isn't any ill will or ill intent towards someone else. They're just trying to raise themselves up and make themselves look better than they are. But not so of this person, a false witness who is uttering lies, because his testimony, his words are causing great harm to other people. Uh, also from the book of Proverbs in chapter 14 and verse 25, the wise man says this, a truthful witness saves lives, but he who speaks lies is treacherous. As we read a couple of verses from James chapter 3 this morning to remind us of just how powerful our tongue is. You know, what we say and the way that we say it and the, the situation in which we say it, it can do great good, but it can also do irreparable harm. And we need to remember that when it's so easy, as we talked about with the lying tongue in the earlier session, it's just so easy sometimes for things to roll off our tongues without us really thinking those things through and thinking about the implications for good or ill of those words. And so as we think about this one, the writer, I think, really is telling us we need to be careful of what we say. We need to be careful how we say it especially what we say and how we say it about other people. We need to make sure that it is true to the best of our knowledge, that it is not intended to tear them down. There is so much of tearing down in our world today. And it, it has, it, it's not just something that's happened in my lifetime, I realize that, but it is something right now I think that's kind of hit a fever pitch. And even among God's people, that we have allowed the, the world to change our thinking that we're just in the habit of tearing each other down. We're supposed to be family. But Satan is working among us. I want you to go to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, is, as Paul is telling us here in chapters 3, 4, and 5, and even chapter 6 about uh, our walk as Christians, about 
uh, our character as Christians, about our attitude and actions as Christians? How should we be living? In the midst of all that, he says, of course, there at verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. As Paul is saying to these brethren and to us that we, we are never to speak against sin, that we're never to uh, help a brother or call a brother out or sister out when they are in sin, to point out to them that they're headed down the wrong path, to just turn a blind eye to things if they have a lying tongue or if they're you know, feet that are running rapidly to, lap, rapidly to evil, that we just don't, we overlook all that? No, that's not what Paul is saying. But he is saying that even as we have opportunities and even when it is necessary on rare occasions that we have to rebuke each other and that we have to discipline each other in our families or in the church, that there's not going to be an unwholesome word that comes from our mouth. That those words even are going to try to build up someone and help someone grow and overcome the sin that they may be beset with. Because it's real easy for us to use our mouths to tear each other people, uh, tear each other down. As we spoke of earlier today, it's not just the actual words that come from our mouth that we hear, but on social media. Well, there's a lot of good things about social media, but there's a lot of bad things, in my opinion, about it. And there are a lot of people tearing each other down over politics and over issues in our country. And yes, even brethren tearing each other down. Brothers and sisters, that should not be. That should not be. I think about something. I don't have this passage on the screen. Uh, something that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth at the very end of the second letter. We all, I think, are familiar with, with all the many issues that they had. Uh, in the first letter, and yet Paul begins that letter by addressing them as the church of God at Corinth. But notice when he came to this end of the second letter, it seems like from the first to the second letter that they have uh, begun the process at least of, of putting away some of those sins, of changing, of growing in Christ. But I want you to notice something that's been very interesting to me for a long time that Paul says, as he had to write some hard things to them at verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 13, he said, For this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when present I need not use severity in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me. Notice he's an apostle of Christ. The authority that the Lord gave him for building up and not for tearing down. <laughs> Even the apostle Paul, one who had, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, said, Christ didn't select me as an apostle and give me this authority as an apostle so that I could tear down you, brethren. He says, even in the harsh things, you may take it that way, the severe things I had to say to you, I really have your best interest at heart. I really do love you, and I'm trying to build you up. It can be so easy for us, brothers and sisters, to get caught in this cycle <laughs> that the world is caught in and to be about the business of being false witnesses who are uttering lies or even if we say under the guise of telling something that's true, our real intent is not that the truth would be known but that we're trying to tear someone down. We need to take this very seriously because as the Proverbs writer says here in Proverbs 6, a false witness who utters lies is an abomination to God. Seventhly and finally, one who spreads strife among brothers. Very much connected, I think, to the last point that we were just talking about. 
again, it, it ought to impress you as it impresses me how many of these things, and, and I said in the nine o'clock, this is not an exhaustive list. If you see maybe a sin that you like, a sin that, that you are involved in that has begun to take over your life that's not in this list, I don't want you to walk away from, from the lessons today saying, okay, I'm off the hook. <laughs> you know, God, that doesn't make God sick. But these are seven that the wise man, I think, is trying to connect to the worthless, wicked man of chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. But it ought to impress us how many of these have to do with our tongues. How many of these have to do with our motives and our hearts? Do you know someone who likes to just kind of keep things stirred up? Do you know someone who just likes to keep trouble brewing among family or among brethren? among just us as people created in the image of God? The New King James says here, instead of one who spreads strife among brothers, it says one who sows discord. Think about that imagery, sowing. That's all throughout the Bible. You know, sowing a seed. That the Word of God is the seed that we ought to all be sowing in our lives and to other people. But he says here is one who is sowing discord among brethren. He's sowing, stirring up trouble. Everywhere he has the opportunity to do that. The Apostle Paul, again, in writing to the young evangelist, uh, I, I went over these, uh, we, we studied through these books, uh, Gavin and I did, Brent, in the last uh, six months or so that he was here, that we overlapped. We went through these books. This is just all over First and Second Timothy and Titus, but First Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 Paul says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with a doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing, but he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, and suspicions, and constant friction between men of deprived mind and depraved mind, rather, and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of great gain. That there are just some people, and there are even sadly some brethren who seem to be, in my judgment, obsessed with controversy. And it's just kind of like the person who, the, the heart who is devising wicked plans. This person thinks God has put them on this earth to just stir up trouble everywhere they go. Paul would also say in the next. Uh, in the passage we just looked at from 2 Timothy 2 and verse 22 at verse 23, following up on fleeing things that are wrong and pursuing things that are right, he says again to this same young preacher, Timothy, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations knowing that they produce quarrels. And then from Titus chapter 3 and verse 9, I don't have this verse here on the screen either, but to another younger preacher, Paul said, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. We're not going to take the time this morning to speak about all of those things in particular and the difference between foolish controversies and genealogies and strifes about the law. But the overriding principle is what I want us to get out of this, that we need to be people as much as possible who are not involved in spreading strife, especially among God's family. In fact, Paul is so strong in that that he says to these preachers, you just avoid those. You avoid those who spread strife and those who would try to pull us into that. 
And I'm so thankful again as I started this morning that this congregation is the way we are. Yes, certainly we have disagreements among ourselves. Yes, we have differences of understanding in Scripture. Yes, we're at different points in our walk with Jesus Christ. We have different opinions about things. We come to different conclusions when we find principles in Scripture. But let it never be said of this congregation that that's a congregation that's just made up of people who can't get along with one another and they're all spreading strife. Even when we are about the business of trying to figure out what is true and what is not, we need to have the right attitude about that. We need to have the right motivation as we go to a brother or sister in Christ and we talk to them about differences that we have. Uh, the Galatian letter, as Paul wrote to those churches, he has some things to say about this. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15, he says, But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. And then down in verse 20, as he talks about the deeds of the flesh. Sometimes we're, we're very quick and we know, you know, the first things he mentions here, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, and sorcery. But then notice where the bulk of these works of the flesh are. Enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions. That that's in our relations with one another. Biting and devouring a brother or sister in Christ, even when we may strongly disagree with their belief, it leads to consuming them, or at least Paul says it can. And those who spread strife, Paul makes it very clear here at the last part of this section, they are being led by the flesh. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. In our time, brothers and sisters and friends, it is so, so easy. So, so easy. For us to spread, spread strife among brothers. Again, think about social media. But God hates it. He absolutely hates it. It makes Him sick. And so we better be careful to distinguish between contending for God's truth as we are told to do in the little book of Jude. And there may be a lesson on that sometime here in the future. But we need to be careful to distinguish between contending for what God has said that's true in His Word and being contentious with God's special people. Because one who spreads strife among brothers is an abomination to God. I'm certainly not the judge, and I'm glad I'm not the judge because I'm not anywhere qualified. But I have seen in my, my 47 years of life, even in my early years, of churches splitting, of brothers and sisters not getting along with each other and talking about each other and calling each other names. And really, for the most part, it's been my experience that the real issues that it began with are really not dealt with. And sadly, truth loses and Satan wins. We need to be serious about this. We need to be serious about all sin. But I think this is something that's so prevalent in our culture today, and we can get, we can get hooked into that if we're not careful. The Bible tells us that our God is love, that our God is a God of peace. And if we will just devote ourselves to seeking Him and seeking each other's eternal good, we can be people of peace. And we can enjoy peace. And I tell you what, when we have peace, not that we're 
just doing away with all our issues, but when we're really pursuing peace as a congregation, we will benefit in so many ways. And I think we've already seen that in my short time here. What about you this morning? Is there strife between you and God? Is there enmity between you and God? God loves you. That's no more evident than Him sending His Son to be a sacrifice for your sins and to reconcile you to Him. That's how much God loves you, but He hates sin. And sin will separate you from Him. Do you know God? Are you walking with Him this morning? If you're not a child of God, this is an opportunity for you to come before this good assembly this morning to confess your faith that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. Repenting of your sins. Maybe it's some of these sins that you've been involved in that we've spoken of today. Maybe it's something else. But you can turn away from all that. God gives you the power to do that. And you can be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you can come out as a clean person. God will not hold those sins against you anymore. And you can devote your life to living for God and pleasing Him and becoming more like Him. If as a child of God, you see that maybe some of these sins are beginning to creep into your heart and your life, that you're, you're wrestling with them, maybe you need some help with that, we're here to help you in any way that we can. If you need to just talk to God about those things, nobody else may know about it, just take care of that, you and God. But if, you, if it's something that other people know about and you think that this is going to do a lot of harm to other people and you need to make that known publicly, you need to ask just for prayers and encouragement and help. We're here to help you do that. As we're about to sing our invitation song that Stephen's selected, do you need to let the Lord Jesus Christ take control of your life? As you examine, honestly, your heart and your life, if you need Him, this is a good time and a good place for you to start on the right path. Once you come, if you need to respond to His invitation as we stand and as we sing.